Welcome to On Conscious. This is episode 17, How to Make the Switch to Natural Perfume. Welcome to On Conscious. I'm your host, Liz Cook, functional nutritionist and founder of One Seed Organic Perfumes. Have you been considering what's in your favorite perfume? Are you thinking about making the switch to natural but not sure where to start? In this episode, health editor Lucy Bode interviews me, Liz Cook, about the difference between natural and synthetic fragrance, how to understand perfume construction, notes and descriptions, and how to choose a new perfume that you'll fall in love with. Look, I think if we said to most people, would you like to get a natural version of your perfume? The majority of people would say, absolutely. If I could take Chanel number no. five and I could get the exact natural doppelganger, I'll be all over that. Most people want to feel better and want to, want to be well and want to minimize exposure to any potential risks. But that is unfortunately uh, not a reality. So that's the biggest mistake people make is thinking, yeah, I'll make the switch, but I've got to find something that's exactly the same. So let's jump in. Hi, Liz. Thanks so much for having me today. Hey, Lucy. Thank you so much for interviewing me again. No worries. So um, for this podcast, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently today. So for those that don't know me um, or my voice, I've chatted to Liz before. I'm part of her content team and I'm Lucy and I'm super interested in health and wellness and how to reduce my chemical load and things like that. And we the last time we spoke on one of the previous episodes of Unconscious, we talked about what clean beauty actually means and um, the transparency or lack lack thereof in the fragrance industry. Um, and that was really interesting to me uh, because as a consumer, I really had no idea that there's no such thing as legislation <laughs> in yeah. the cosmetic industry. Yeah. Surprises a lot of people, I think, and and definitely um, conversations like you and I had last time and like we'll have today are really important because I think as consumers, we honestly don't even know where to start to ask the right questions. So these kind yes. of conversations, you know, that open up a little bit of education and then pull the curtain, pull back the curtain to Oz, <laughs> as it were, in the perfume and cosmetics world, I think it just gets people then, uh, you know, the juices flowing like, oh, we should be asking about that. We need to be perhaps demanding more or pulling back the curtains on our favorite brands or products. So yeah, that's that's what I love to do with these chats we have. Exactly. Especially because there's no information out there or there's no easy way to find the information on the internet yeah um, absolutely it's 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 really hard to know what to search for and that's why I think it's so important that we sit down and have a bit of a chat today specifically I wanted to talk to you about how to make the switch from synthetic and natural perfumes yeah because you are an expert on the matter Liz well thank you <laughs> I hope I hope I am <laughs> after so long I wanted to get your opinion on what we look for and how do you, how do you know what fragrance is the right one for you? To be completely honest with you, I've tried many times to switch over to natural fragrances and before trying one seed, nothing had ever stuck before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting for other people because I know there must be people out there like me who have been in the same boat. So I wonder, could you just give us a, a brief recap on what synthetic versus natural fragrances are and yeah, sure. why it's important to know what you're looking for when you make the switch? Yeah, definitely. And just on that point too, I think, you know, and anyone who listens to the Unconscious podcast is no doubt on some sort of a journey with regards to health and well wellness and well-being and so on. So I think, you know, we've we've got the consumer who has totally switched over, who may even be a purist, you know, at that end and absolutely just looks for natural products with everything that they use. And then at the other mm -hmm. end, we've got people who are, for lack of a be better term, eco-curious, <laughs> who are kind of like, you know, convinced that there's something not quite right with the commercial products and the way things are labeled and um, our exposure to different toxins in the environment but they've not quite they're not quite convinced to make the switch on 
you know, maybe all their products or maybe any of their products mm-hmm. yet. So you've kind of got the two opposite ends um, with people who who follow what we do or um, people who are generally making the journey anyway. What's important to know, first of all, is that perfume as a consumer product on the whole, is not a natural product. So regardless of what the description says, so they could say, you know, tears of a monsoon yak. Hang on, that's not a thing. I'm pretty sure there's no yaks in monsoon area. But let's just say uh, tears of a yak and lilies that come from, you know, Uzbekistan and star flower and this and that. And it all sounds like a beautiful picture from an romantic. It's yeah. so romantic. And we create this beautiful romantic picture. But in actual fact, what you're smelling 99.9% of the time does not come from a flower or from a village in the Himalayas. It actually comes mm-hmm. from a sterile lab somewhere in China or America or France or wherever it is. So don't be fooled by descriptions. Description and notes does not equal ingredients that's the first thing to know and that that is yeah and so that means that whether you're paying $20 for a cheap chemist knockoff or you're paying $400 at the other end of the spectrum for your perfume that doesn't mean that the ingredients in that product are natural so that's the first thing that people need to know and I just think Mm -hmm. we need to dispel the myths that if you pay a lot of money the product is natural no that's not the case totally which is where I come unstuck because I I always think if something's expensive it must be better quality and better for me but that's not correct is it no and look it could be better quality absolutely it could definitely be better quality so there are cheap synthetics and then there are um, synthetics that there's more care taken in the manufacturing in the production they may be more innovative they may have a slightly more complex odor profile you may even have a better more qualified or more more well-rounded perfumer formulating the product so the end product absolutely is more beautiful um, may have more longevity, may be more beautiful to wear. All of those things would add up to a better quality product, but quality does not necessarily equal um, content. So better quality okay. product could still be 100% synthetic and could still be wreaking havoc on your health. Whether you've paid, again, $20 or $400, the effect on your health could absolutely be as as devastating, you know, to to the to the extreme end, um, and at the moderate end, either one of those fragrances could still be giving you nausea, headaches, um, contributing to depression and anxiety, uh, and all of those things that we've talked about before here, and also on the journal, and I prattle on about all the time. So that's the first thing to know. And I guess now that our listeners know why they should stay away from synthetic fragrances. How do you recommend that somebody actually go about making the leap? Because I feel like it's quite daunting, right? It's daunting. Totally it's daunting. And look, not all of us are ready to make that leap. That's, you know, and even as an owner of a of a natural perfume company, I'm not going to um I'll be the first one to say not everybody's ready to make the switch to natural perfume. So you have mm-hmm. to be ready to make the switch. I think it's definitely a mindset because with regards to fragrance, it's a personal thing. And often the fragrances that we choose are an extension of, uh, let's say, our time in life. Maybe we've just got married. Maybe we had, you know, some other monumental special event. Or perhaps we're wearing a fragrance that our mother who's recently passed used to wear, you know, when you were younger. And it reminds you of all those beautiful nurturing aspects. So it's really hard to give up a fragrance even though we may believe that it's doing our health no good when it feels like it's actually nurturing our emotions. So that's, I think, where a lot of It's an emotional attachment. Oh, 100%. And, of course, our olfactory senses, our our sense of smell is very much um, totally physiologically linked to our emotions and our memory. So that's why it's not as simple as I'm just going to make the switch today and we switch to a natural. It's unpicking (laughs) all of the emotions attached to the fragrances that you currently love and what they represent to you. I also think there's an element, and I don't know if this is speaking out of school here, Liz, but I think there's an element of, in my head, I think of a natural perfume and I think of my auntie that used to wear patchouli and it's strong and it's overpowering (laughs) and it smells of, I don't know, just hippies. And um, I guess natural perfumes come so far 
than what it used to be 20, 30 years ago, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's still people who just choose to wear essential oils, for example, but I want to be really clear on that. That is not natural perfume. Natural perfume is not just a combination of essential oils or one or two or three essential oils, you know, mixed together and there you go, you just put it on your skin. It's so much more complex than that. And perhaps if you were buying natural perfume 15 or 20 years ago from your favorite market stall or from some local manufacturer, um, you possibly were just getting a mix of essential oils or even um, fragrant oils if it wasn't a natural product, um, you know, in a sort of um, uh, a not so complex formula and it yes. smelled kind of pretty, but it didn't smell like perfume. So natural perfume these days is a much more elevated experience. So we really have to get it out of our out of our heads that you buy natural perfume from your Monday markets. And I love your Monday markets, by the way. <laughs> Haven't been there for a while. But but natural perfume is now being found in places like Barney's New York. And Mecca okay. is now has in, now introduced clean perfume, which, as we've talked about before, doesn't necessarily mean that it's natural, but it's getting closer to natural. And Sephora have clean by Sephora. They've got fragrances as well, which are closer to natural and one or two brands that are natural. So, yeah, it's now. It's a high-end experience now. Yeah. 100%. And it should be. And so I think that there are still, if you're a person that likes to wear more of those pulse point roll on aromatherapy types of perfumes, there's absolutely brands out there that do that. But if you're, if you're looking for the genuine fragrance, elevating, I want to feel something special today kind of experience, then that is absolutely available in natural perfume. Um, we do that. And there's a couple of other companies out there as well that are doing that in a beautiful way. So that's the first thing to know. It is out there, but you've got to be looking in the right places, not at your local markets. And well, that brings me to my next question, Liz. Where do you start? How do you even know where to look for this type of product or a high quality product? Yeah, I think most people do a Google search. So definitely the internet and natural perfumes not found everywhere. So even with us, we're not yet, hey Mecca, we're not yet stopped at Mecca, but we want to be. Um, and we, we're in talks with, um, some big buyers overseas at the moment as well. So hopefully in the next two to three years, you'll see more truly natural perfumes found at your major retailers and your beautiful beauty boutique retailers as well, um, like Mecca, for example, in Sephora. So, but I think definitely Google searching is the best thing to do. There's quite a few boutique natural and organic um, skincare and beauty retailers around Australia now, and most of them will carry one, two or three brands of natural perfume so um yeah if you google for example if you google organic perfume we will certainly come up if you google natural perfume will come up as well um that is probably the best place to start and then i think mm -hmm. sampling is really really critical so as most people know perfumes can smell really different on your skin than when you spray them on a scent strip or when you smell them on someone else's skin so really critical in choosing a natural fragrance that you would buy samples or go to the local retailer and try the product on your skin and let it sit on there for a couple of hours before deciding um, that you love the fragrance. But the other thing, and you alluded to this before, is that there you have to allow time to, um, I call it an olfactory awakening. I have a theory and it's only theory yet, so maybe, maybe I should put some, put some testing, um, you know, a some disclaimer. actual scientific yeah. testing. Not a disclaimer, but maybe I should uh, commission somebody to do the scientific testing for me. But I have this theory that um, our brains go into a bit of a protective mode. So the same thing certainly happens in nutrition. If you're, um, let's say you eat McDonald's every day or some, some junk food type of thing. Let's say you eat junk food every day. Um, you may not notice, for example, that your skin is worse than it used to be. You may not notice that you feel lousy most days. And then suddenly you go on a health kick and you feel like rubbish. You might feel like rubbish for a week or two. And then you go, well, stuff that I'm not going to go on a health kick because obviously it doesn't do me any good. But actually what happens in that situation is your body has been in protective mode while it's trying to stave off the side effects of a really poor diet. So it's trying mm. to stifle the inflammation. It's trying to keep your body in some sort of homeostasis while you're consuming junk food. And as soon as you start giving your body good food, you have a bit of a healing crisis. 
and your body kind of goes a bit haywire while everything corrects and catches There's up. There's always and a detox period. Always a detox period, always. And I think the same thing happens with natural perfume, but I also feel like your brain and your olfactory system has a bit of an olfactory awakening because natural perfume is so much more complex than synthetic. So rather than just having a product that's made up of singular molecules in combination, you're now using a product where every single ingredient that we add could have a dozen and up to 400 individual natural chemicals. So potentially there's 400, 500, 1,000 natural chemicals in combination in this beautiful thing we call natural perfume. So it's like you you have this little mini fireworks going off in your brain um, and a bit of a sensory overload. So in my experience, it takes about a week for people's olfactory system, for your brain and your body and your emotions to kind of catch up with that fireworks. But what we hear from people is as soon as they've let that Um, process take place for a week and they've tried the perfumes and they only use the natural perfumes for a week, suddenly they find they cannot go back to synthetics. So there seems to be a bit of like a seven to 10 day um, period that I would say to people, give it a chance for seven to 10 days before making any decisions um, on, you know, whether you feel like it's the right thing uh, to do or not for your for your sense of smell. But I can guarantee you that almost everybody that tries it will find they can't go back to synthetic. And when you say within the seven-day period, don't wear any other synthetics, does that include body creams and moisturizers and things like that just to completely give your body a a break or yeah I I mean that would be the ideal the ideal scenario to me is and I think um, Alex Stewart at Logtox Life actually has this um, great suggestion and she says put away every synthetic fragranced product in your house for three weeks pack them in a box tape the box up and put it in your shed so you're not even exposed to it at all and I kind of love that idea so I would say definitely Mm. you've got to put away your fragrance candles, your re- your reed sticks, you know, air fresheners, everything, and body products that have synthetic fragrance, anything like that, just to give your entire body and entire olfactory system a chance to regroup. And that's when you really, really see the difference. Whereas if you're still using a few synthetic fragrance products, your body may not have the chance to really kick into that process. I love that. I'm a sucker for a challenge. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I can Three do weeks. it. <laughs> Three weeks. On the to-do list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned earlier you have to be ready to make the switch. How? When is the right time? How do you know if you're ready? Yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Look, I think if you are the kind of person who every time you spray your um, – commercial, I'm going to call it commercial perfume, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's run of the mill. It could be a beautiful niche perfume brand that smells amazing. But if you're finding every time you pick up that bottle of your current favorite or your previous favorite fragrance, you're questioning yourself, you're definitely ready. Definitely. Um, If you find that you're spraying every time you spray your perfume or every time you get up and you get dressed to go to work or wherever you go in the morning, you end up with nausea, headaches, brain fog, and you've tried to clean up other aspects of your your life, but you're still feeling this nagging sense of unwellness, your body Mm -hmm. is ready. So those situations, I'd say, yeah, you're ready and and you really need to try to make the switch. Um, We meet a lot of people who have sworn off perfume completely, who used to be perhaps perfume aficionados and the symptoms got so bad that they just went, forget it, I'm never wearing perfume ever again. And they could be three, four, five, ten years completely free of fragrance and I would say absolutely give natural perfume a go. Um, Some people unfortunately have developed multiple chemical sensitivity and in that case your body has reached a tipping point where you may find that even natural perfumes at that stage may be too much. So you definitely have Mm -hmm. to allow your body to go through that healing crisis and, you know, do all of the the groundwork on your health and see a naturopath and do all the right things to bring your body back into balance before reintroducing any fragrances, even if they're natural. So, But that's uh, still only, uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of people, but it's 5% of the population in Australia have a multiple chemical sensitivity. So really? it may be, yeah, it's it's actually crazy. It's a, it's a million people, a million people with a multiple chemical sensitivity. 
So and they yeah. likely don't know about it, right? I mean, yeah. Um, there's, a, I mean, you can be diagnosed with that. So your doctor can diagnose you, or your specialist can, your allerg- um, allergist or immunologist can diagnose you with multiple chemical sensitivity or MCS. So I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast will have that diagnosis. Or you may be, you may have it, and you may just have not seen the right practitioners yet to get the right diagnosis. So that's a million people diagnosed, but how? Who knows how many more have not been people, diagnosed but have yeah, symptoms? Yeah, that's exactly. right. Exactly. Mm. And for somebody who perhaps has tried natural fragrance before, like myself, as I said earlier, but I hadn't stuck with it for such a long time. What are your tips there? Like, what factors should be non-negotiable when buying natural perfume? Well, I think you need to know what your non-negotiables are. So some people want to just make the switch to clean and that is a stepping stone and it's absolutely valid because definitely if you're going to a cleaner product, obviously you're going to be exposed to less toxins, but you've got to know what your um, deal breakers are. So if you're saying, okay, I want to get rid of all the unnecessary toxins in my life and the things we can avoid because of course there are things out there that you just you know you haven't got a choice we live in the western world we live in the world (laughs) generally so there are things we're going to be exposed to on a daily basis that we have no control over but when it comes to things that we can control what are your deal breakers so if you're going to say i don't want anything with artificial fragrance whatsoever then you need to know what to look for in the labels you need to know what to look for on the brand website um, you need to know the keywords to look for. And, you know, we've, we can talk more about that, of course, but, and we have talked about it before. Um, but if your deal breaker is if it's got anything synthetic in it, I don't want it, then, you know, that is your boundary. So it's not for me to say, um, you know, what, what, what you should or shouldn't be looking for. You, it's for you to know what you want to be looking for. Okay, whatever fits with your lifestyle and your values. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think just in addition to that, um, don't don't let the wool be pulled over your eyes. So if you're saying that this is a no compromise area, I just want it to be 100% natural, free from toxins, not be compromising my health any longer, then don't allow yourself to be um, – for the wool to be pulled over your eyes by the lack of transparency in the fragrance industry, just really get pay really careful attention to the labels and what they're saying and what they're not saying, um, and do your homework before you commit to um, to switching to a product that may be compromising on your values. And I know just on the label and how natural perfumes are labeled and the things that some brands hide in the label I know we have a blog on this already Mm. but is there a way to spot synthetic ingredients that perhaps the brand doesn't want us to know about oh yeah yeah and unfortunately it's because it's an industry that really lacks transparency still even though there's been a, a greater push for transparency in the last few years it's important that we all become detectives So the key things to look for are um, on the positive side, you want to be looking for statements like 100% natural ingredients or contains only natural ingredients. A a generalized statement like that will help you to um, Mm -hmm. cut through some of the rubbish. If um, If there's statements like vegan, cruelty-free, eco-friendly, low-tox, they're more marketing terms than anything else and they're certainly not governed by any type of legislation. So you do have to dig a little bit deeper. So if you want it to be 100% natural, you really need to look for a statement by the brand either on the packaging or on the website that makes that really clear. Definitely. Um, Because it's in a brand's best interest to say that something's 100% natural if it is. So if they're not saying that, then you can guarantee that that product is not 100% natural. If you look for the word fragrance, um, that can often allude to the fact that that, uh, there's a lot of stuff hidden in there. Um, But having said that, because of trade secret legislation, there are still even natural perfume brands that will use the banner term fragrance instead of actually breaking down the um the actual fragrance components uh i mean that's again that depends on your value system we certainly have a nothing to hide policy and so 
I really believe that consumers should know exactly what they're spraying on their skin, putting on and in their bodies. So I think full disclosure is an important is important, and I would certainly challenge any fragrance company to do the same. I think that's um, you know we're we're beyond that now in this um, era of of well educated consumers, and I just think everybody deserves to know. But if it's a brand that says one hundred percent natural, we only use you know natural botanical ingredients. No, it, it's toxin free. It doesn't contain this and this and this, and it does contain this and this. And you're happy not to know exactly what the individual natural uh, fragrance ingredients are, then that's okay. As long as you're happy with that, that's fine. I generally, anytime I pick up a product and it has numbers on the back, that yep. sounds alarm bells for me. I automatically think that there's some sort of chemical in there, even if the branding claims that it's natural. Is that valid or or are there certain natural ingredients that will have numbers and yeah. look a little more scientific? Yeah, I think that sort of, uh, that theory had been presented and, and probably for quite a, a long period of time, I think I remember, you know, when I was a, a teenager reading Dolly magazine and getting that sort of information. So that sort of information has been out there for quite a while, but I think it's not, it's a good starting place, but it's not entirely valid. Um, it probably pertains more to food labels than it does to cosmetics labels because okay. cosmetics labels don't necessarily have to have numbers, whereas food um, food ingredients, there's some that have to be coded by numbers. But even something as innocuous as vitamin C, for example, you'll see that coded on a food package as 300. So it looks scary to have a number 300, but when you think, okay, that's vitamin C, um, maybe not so much of an issue, um, but you could have, for example, 635, which is ribonucleotides flavor enhancer in a packet of chips, and that is a worry. So in that sort of situation, I'd say it's more about, you know, getting your chemical maze book and that sort of thing and understanding what do um, each of the numbers and the categories represent. As far as cosmetics and fragrance labeling, very rarely you'll see a number, but you will often see um, a, a Latin name or an inky name. But you should see both the inky name um, and the English name. So you might have something that uh, is, let's say, hemp seed oil, and in brackets it'll say, and I can't remember exactly the name, but it's uh, something like cannabis sativa. So that might sound like gobbledygook that we don't use in English language. But when you work out, but that is just a more detailed um, description of the plant, the botanical name, the genus and species of the plant, that's all fine. So I think that sort of stuff aids transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, so numbers is probably not, not such an important thing. The thing that worries me more in cosmetics is um, when they use generic terms for things, like they often are in uh, capital letters, and I'm just going to make one up. Let's call it um, Zeroin. And okay, we go. Okay, Zeroin. What is that? Never heard of it. Doesn't mean anything. And the sometimes cosmetics companies get away with using, let's say, parabens, for example, by instead of adding methyl paraben, propyl paraben, whatever to the label, they might come up with a formula that includes three or four or five or however many different preservatives or questionable ingredients and then patent that as a particular brand name. So therefore you have this bunch of ingredients that you don't want to use and you're looking for them on the label, but it may be under the term like Zeroin or whatever. I just made that up, so don't look for that one. (laughs) But it may be labeled as something else completely, but all we're looking for is the things that we know. So those ones really worry me because that totally lacks transparency. And and, and would the brand have done that intentionally to mislead the consumer? Uh, look, I believe so. Um, I really believe so. I just think as a as a consumer brand, if you want transparency, you'll be really clear about it. Um, but unfortunately, legislation allows brands to just put a brand name for a series of ingredients rather than e- the ingredients themselves, because mm-hmm. again, it's it's trade sec- secret legislation. Which so just that seems bit worries me. Crazy, because yeah, if you, I feel like these companies would be getting in so much trouble if this was food, right? If we, oh yeah, didn't have a right to know exactly what we were eating, and yeah. it's it's just it blows my mind. But anyway, we're doing things to rectify that, Liz. 
We are, we are absolutely. <laughs> but you know, on the food thing, and it, and it crosses over to to perfume and cosmetics as well. It still does happen in the food industry. Um, so, for example, you could, and it often happens with things like like chips, for example. So you pick up a bag of chips and you look on the back and it says potatoes, vegetable oil, salt. And you go, oh, yeah, vegetable oil. And, you know, our brains go carrots, cucumbers, whatever. But what does that even mean? All mm-hmm. it means is a plant-based oil, which could be cotton canola. could yes. be anything. It could be literally anything that comes from a, a plant that you don't even want to put in your body. could be palm, could be rapeseed, whatever. So the generic terms unfortunately still come up in food and certainly in fragrance you'll see a lot more generic terms so you'll see things like color fragrance uv filters you know you you'll see generic terms do you remember a few years ago lucy one of the major cosmetics brands <laughs> it's so funny to me because i can't believe how some brands still think products uh, consumers are really dumb there was a brand that came up with this genius way of simplifying their um, ingredient list for all us stupid people that don't know how to read ingredient list apparently. And they said, you know, something like um, our face cream, as simple as it gets, and it was like water, oil, preservative, colour, like four ingredients. And there was a huge outrage because people went, we're not stupid. We know when you say oil or humectant. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it just to me shows that unfortunately brands still feel like they can pull the wool over our eyes by putting in generic terms like oil or like surfactant or humectant, you know, which kind of they actually mean nothing. We're talking about a function as opposed to an actual ingredient. So that's a key thing to look for as well, whether it's perfume or cosmetics. um, Look for, call out functional names because if it's just saying the function of an ingredient as opposed to what the ingredient actually is, the proper name, that sounds alarm bells for me. That's red flags all the way. How do you know what scent is right for you? How do you know when you find the one? Is it just because it smells nice or how I know you talked earlier about we need to wait seven days is there a magic way that you would you would you when a customer comes to you and says to you I like this Calvin Klein perfume do you Mm -hmm. immediately steer them in one direction because they do you know what I'm trying to say (laughs) yeah I do and we we do in a certain way but I'm going to um, sort of explain this in two parts. So we have the privilege because we run perfume masterclasses as well. We see what people like to create and often people will come with an idea in mind of a perfume that they wear that's a commercial fragrance but they want to start learning how to create their own for example at home and they will bring um, a list of the ingredients and the notes and so on. But we also because we have our online scent bar we have the benefit of having that information Uh, and creating products for people that maybe mimic the character of the fragrances that they like to wear. Um, So because we're having these conversations all the time, what often we do is we would initially, if you're just making the switch, um, you might say, okay, I wear, like you said, this Calvin Klein or this, you know, whatever brand it is, perfume. We would recommend something with similar character notes. So if what you're wearing has juniper and fresh cut grass and, you know, these types of green notes, we would steer you in the direction of our greener types of fragrances. Or if you like to wear um, something that's sweet and candy-like, then we steer you in that direction. What we often find though, and this is this is a really curious thing, is that people are really surprised that they end up choosing something that's completely different than what they expected. Really? So they might say, I yeah. So they might say, I love a perfume that's it's gotta be musky and it's gotta be sweet and it's gonna have gotta have rose petals. And then they end up going with a fragrance that's actually woody and bright and clean. And they surprise themselves because they would say, I would never normally wear a fragrance like that. But it tends to be, I always encourage people to go with their gut. So don't worry too much about what you're wearing in terms of like, you know, if you get a sample pack, for example, and you try all the fragrances and you are convinced before you try them you're going to like this particular one because it's similar to what you're wearing, but your gut keeps drawing you to something that's completely different, I say go with your gut. 
because your body will send you out signals <laughs> whether it wants to reject or or draw something in and mm-hmm. um and I think that's a really good way to tell so that's why testing is really important as well because what you put on your skin um will speak to your body and and speak to your olfactory system so yeah don't be surprised if you end up choosing something completely different but then if you're not sure where to start a really good start is work out, you know, get on a, a website like Fragrantica, for example, look at the character notes in the fragrance that you're currently wearing, and then jump on our website and um, look at the olfactory descriptions and see if you can find something that's similar in character. But you'll never find an exact match. And I know we're going to probably have a chat about that. Um, but it's important to know that you you cannot get a natural fragrance that's a doppelganger for a synthetic you know, it's like saying, um, uh, I'll make you a, a beautiful um, tray of roasted organic potatoes with fresh rosemary, or I'm just going to buy you a bag of chips for two bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's chalk and cheese. They're kind of the same thing, but not really. They're made completely differently. So they, yeah, yeah. it's going to yeah. taste different. It's going to smell different and it's going to make you feel yeah. differently too. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And we've spoken before about how notes aren't ingredients. Mm -hmm. Can you please spell out the difference for people that may be listening to this podcast and they're not quite sure what we mean by that? Yeah, sure. So with every fragrance, you will see a list of notes and an olfactory description. So the olfactory description is a picture, I guess. It's it's painting a picture of the fragrance. So we talked about, you know, uh, tears of a yak, you know, pinch from the Himalayas, waterfalls streaming, whatever it is. So that's the olfactory description, which is basically just a, a marketing picture. It's a story. It's storytelling. The, the notes refers to the fragrance experience that you get from the perfume. And often it's the perception of the company who writes the marketing data or the marketing spiel, Mm -hmm. Um, or it could be the olfactory perception that we're trying to create in the consumer. So you might say rose petals, for example, rose petals, vanilla, whatever it is, those, those notes just tell you that in this fragrance, you should experience or you're likely to experience the smell of rose petals, the smell of vanilla, the smell of, um, you know, steel or whatever it is we're trying to create. That does not mean ingredients. So ingredients is an entirely separate thing, but it could cross over. So with our perfumes, for example, where we say notes, the majority of the notes are also true ingredients. But if we say fresh cut grass, um, just so that the, the listeners understand, fresh cut grass, you can't actually derive a fragrant natural oil from. So we would use something like a natural isolate like cis-3-hexanol, for example, which is um, derived from a full natural ingredient, but it's a a naturally distilled um, molecule that comes from a whole plant, but that smells like fresh cut grass. So even though we say fresh cut grass in the notes, it doesn't mean there's actual grass in, in the, formula. the formula. So it's yes. similarly to what you might find with wine where yeah. you'll smell a glass of wine and you might get notes of tennis balls or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and blueberries and, you know, tannins. Yeah, and, exactly. Yep, yep, exactly. Okay. So it's storytelling, very much like wine. You just need to see the olfactory description and the notes as storytelling of the fragrance, nothing to do with ingredients. And what what are some common mistakes that you often see your customers make when they change to natural perfume? Look, I think expecting like for like is the first thing. So people, look, I think if we said to most people, would you like to get a natural version of your perfume? The majority of people would say, absolutely. If I could take Chanel number no. five and I could get the exact natural doppelganger, I'll be all over that. Most people want to feel better and want to f- want to be well and want to minimize exposure to any potential risks. But that is unfortunately uh, not a reality. So that's the biggest mistake people make is thinking, yeah, I'll make the switch, but I've got to find something that's exactly the same. So on our journal, you can actually find uh, one of our blog posts is the three mistakes people make when making the switch. Definitely expecting the like for like is an issue. And also not giving themselves time to adjust. So if you've sprayed on your favorite commercial perfume this morning and then you go shopping for a natural and you try it in the store and you go, oh, no, I don't think I like that one, and then you've written it off, 
that is also not allowing your body to do what it needs to do to have that olfactory awakening and to adjust to the complexities that come with um, natural molecules. And I just want to, if I can jump in here, Liz, we've spoken before about how perfumes are made with different notes that are designed to unfold over time. So how does that come into it as well? I mean, because if you spray something initially, you might think, oh, it's really woody, right? And then later on the notes unfold. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So typically perfume, and this is especially true with natural perfume, is made up of probably most of the listeners who've um, looked at perfumes at all have have seen that perfume pyramid. So we call it top, middle, and base notes. Essentially what it is is um, talking about evaporation rates of different ingredients or different molecules. So at the top part of that triangle or that pyramid, you've got top notes, which are the lightest molecular weight. So from a scientific or chemistry point of view, they are um, very light in weight and therefore they break down much more quickly. They oxidize more quickly with the air. And also they, because of you know biology, they would break down in the environment much more quickly, lighter, much more fleeting. So because they're lighter, they also fly out of the fragrance much more quickly. So they're the first thing to hit your nose. So generally those are citrus notes and some herbs. They generally add the sparkle to a fragrance. It could be even things like um, raspberry, which is, by the way, a natural isolate, not an actual ingredient because we can't extract fragrance from raspberries themselves. Um, it's lemon, it's blood orange, it's beautiful things like that. And then sometimes it's um, some lighter herbs like basil, um, uh, coriander and those types of things. And then in the middle section you have heart notes or middle notes which are a larger molecular weight and they stay on the skin a little bit longer. And then in, in the base of that pyramid you have the base notes which anchor the fragrance and because they're a heavier larger molecule they just take longer to break down and to evaporate so that's why when you wear a fragrance in the beginning what you smell is not necessarily what you smell in the end but a well-made perfume should have a similar character woven all the way through I guess this is one of the other things that people misunderstand with naturals because naturals definitely have more of an unfolding of the story because the ingredients are a lot less linear. Mm -hmm. So just to give you a little chemistry lesson, a molecule of rose, for example, as far as we know to date, a molecule of of rose oil will have around 400 natural chemicals. Now, all of those individual natural chemicals have their own evaporation rates. So over time, what you get is an unfolding and a breaking down of all of these natural chemicals in these complex molecules of natural fragrance. Whereas in a synthetic, each individual ingredient is one single molecule and they tend to be very linear. So what you smell in the beginning is often very, very similar to what you'll smell four or six or eight hours later if your fragrance lasts that long. So naturals just do have more of an evolution on your skin. So to me, it's complex storytelling. Um, and that's to me, that's the beauty of natural as well, is that you, you get surprises and subtle nuances around every corner, but it should still maintain its essential character with some little surprises thrown in. And talk to me about scent throw. Is it, scent throw, yeah. It's yeah, is so it called scent sillage? Throw. Yeah, it's, well, we call it silage, but actually the French word, if you're going to be very French, is sillage. (laughs) (laughs) But whoever says sillage, I certainly don't. Centhro is exactly the way to describe it. And all that means, centhro just means um, how far your fragrance projects. So I think in the 80s and 90s, it was really um, expected that your perfume would throw right across the room. So if you spotted that hot guy across the bar, he would know you were there before he even saw you. That's right. Your perfume would reach out and bring him in. Um, I think that's kind of gone out of vogue now too. I think people like subtlety in in the scent throw. Um, You know, I just I can't stand it personally when you you jump in an elevator and you can smell the person that was there five minutes before. Yes, totally. Yeah, because the scent just hangs on there for hours and hours and just throws right across the room. So scent throw in a synthetic is naturally going to be much 
larger than it is in a natural. Naturals will naturally wear much closer to your skin and your scent throw, depending on what ingredients you use and what sort of format. So an eau de parfum, which is an alcohol-based perfume, will throw a a greater space than will an oil-based perfume or a roll-on perfume. Uh, But generally, you could expect Basically, if someone comes in to give you a cuddle, they are going to smell it. But if you're social distancing 1.5 meters, the person about 1.5 meters away will probably not smell it until you breeze past them or, you know, strike your yoga pose or whatever and your arms move around or whatever. Um, So much more subtle scent throw, which I think is more beautiful because who doesn't love a bit bit of, you know, subtlety? I think that's kind of sexier too. Yeah. And how come the same scent sometimes smells completely different on two different people? I've had this happen before where I've liked a friend's perfume and then I've bought it for myself and it just wasn't Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, I wonder, I mean, this this may not be true, but I do wonder if that's more the case with naturals because um, natural ingredients interact with their surrounding environment in a much more nuanced um, and possibly bolder way or or more uh, dynamic way is the word I'm looking for. There's probably a few reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is because our own skin is a note in itself. And if you've ever had um, a boyfriend or a husband or whatever and you've you, they've left or they've gone away on a long vacation, you go through their wardrobe and there's a shirt there that smells like them, how do we know that's their smell? You know, everybody has their own natural body smell, which we're pretty unaware of until something happens or we need to save their shirt or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So our skin has its own uh, notes in in itself and that will absolutely change the the um the unfolding of the fragrance but as as well as just what notes will project so on some people's skin you could have a fragrance like uh that's for example um fruity and woody all at the same time and one person's skin might really throw the fruit in a really bold sweet way and for somebody else the wood is what is the strongest sort of note so it's not that it comes up with its own uh, interpretation, it just tends to throw notes differently. For women, absolutely the hormones make a really big difference. So what you wear, um, let's say during your menstrual cycle, will probably smell different at that um, period of time. That's a really bad use of the word period, isn't it? <laughs> will smell different during that stage of your cycle than when you're mid-cycle, for That's example. So, so hormones make a difference really interesting. Um, And the same if you're going through menopause or if you're prepubescent, like all different times of our life cycles and hormone cycles, different, uh, our skin will smell differently and will throw scent differently. Um, The other factors are diet, definitely that makes a really big difference. Um, Sometimes even the weather. So for people who live in more tropical climates, um, a fragrance will smell different in tropical North Queensland than it will in Tasmania, for example. So all of those factors um, can change a fragrance. And for a total convert, what would be your tips for them to get the most out of a natural fragrance. For total convert, do you mean someone who absolutely loves and is diehard devoted to natural perfumes? Yes, and I do purely, I'm going to start that again, but for me I love natural perfumes, but they don't linger around as long as synthetics. And is there anything that I can do to make that happen? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is changing your perception, as we said before, like not expecting a natural fragrance to last as long as a synthetic, because the fact is that in 99% of cases, they just won't last as long. Um, That depends on what you choose. But if you want a longer lasting natural fragrance, things that are deeper and woody with more of those bassy notes will last longer on the skin than something that's citrus based or very effervescent and light and fruity and so on. Those fragrances will tend to last not quite as long on the skin. Um, but there's definitely things that you can do to help. And one of the things is make sure that your skin is well hydrated. So putting on a neutral body oil or neutral body lotion before you put your fragrance on works really well. 
Um, you can also layer your fragrance. So if you have that fragrance, let's say in a perfume oil format, as well as in an eau de parfum, you can layer that. Or if it's in a body lotion format, then you can lock it in with the eau de parfum. That works really well. Um, and you can change it too. We actually have quite a few people who um, buy our multi-purpose elixir and let's say you buy it in the botanical musk form, which is a gorgeous uh, a gorgeous natural musk that blooms on the skin over a few hours. You can layer that under a fragrance which is not so musky and add that extra musky note that you might love and lock in the fragrance and it tends to let that fragrance linger on for I would say 20 to 30% longer by by locking it in with some extra moisturizer, making your skin, making sure your skin is not dry, um, as in you know parched before you you spray your perfume. Interesting. Um, yeah, and and of course, if you're using an eau de toilette, it's less concentrated. So an eau de toilette is going to naturally last, going to naturally have um, less long-lasting power than an eau de parfum, which is more concentrated. So generally the more concentrated a fragrance, the longer it's going to linger on the skin. And that's whether it's natural or synthetic, same sort of principle applies. And if other people like me want to learn more about the difference between synthetics and naturals and more about what we've been discussing today, where would you direct them? We've got heaps of information on our website, oneseedperfumes.com. So you can go to the journal section. There's a lot of articles. We've even got references as well. With my background in nutrition, I always feel the need to put references in. <laughs> um, so so there's, also, um, there's also places if you want general information about some of the um, potential harms of synthetic fragrance. Aside from our journal, you can also go to look at PubMed. There's lots of really good articles on PubMed. Med, but you can also go to Come on Brain, catch up with me. Um, the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics, for example, or the Environmental Working Group. There's lots of good information on those websites as well. Um, and if it's just about how to choose a natural fragrance and some more hints and tips and things, definitely on our journal you can find more information. Um, and just to, to plug a little bit, if I can, <laughs> we do have a scent selector on there as well. And I know there are some websites that sell fragrance that have scent selectors, and that's a really good way to, to go as well. So you can um, do a little quiz and um, talk about, you know, what sort of things you like, what you like to wear, what colors you like and all that sort of thing. And then the scent selector will actually narrow down the range and that makes it a lot easier to choose as well. I also find that like myself, people will probably go down the rabbit hole here where they'll start with the perfume and then they'll move on to the laundry products, which is perfect because you've just launched your laundrette range yeah yes so fun so much fun and it's I think it's a thing too with natural fragrance once you discover this world of natural fragrance um, as I said before people just find it hard to go back to synthetic and then you suddenly discover that there's so many other aspects to it aside from just perfume you know as you say we've got the laundrette range so that's for um, laundry and linen fragrances and then you can um, start dabbling again with your essential oils for fragrancing your home and you'll find beautiful body products that have pure natural essential oils and natural ingredients. So, you know, it's a whole nother world that um, you can explore and we really don't even need synthetic fragrance in this day and age. There's just so many beautiful elevating products that we can use that are 100% natural. And thank you so much for chatting to me today, Liz. I love our chats together. I always learn so much. Me too, Lucy. Looking forward <laughs> to the next one. Totally. <laughs> Thanks so much. See you soon.